So we'll be reading from Luke 2, uh, chapter 2, starting from verse 22 uh, and going to 38. And when the time came for their purification according to the law of Moses, they brought up him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who op- first opens the womb shall be called holy, uh, called holy to the Lord. And to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. This man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him that the Holy Spirit, uh, by the Holy Spirit, that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus, to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arm and, said, and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting us, your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. And his father and mother And his father and his mother marveled at what was said about him. And Simeon blessed him and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign that is opposed. And the sword will pierce through your own soul also, so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. And there was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher, And she was advanced in years, having lived with her husband seven years from when she was a virgin, and then as a widow until she was 84. She did not depart from the temple, worshipping with fasting and prayer night and day. And coming up at at, at that very hour, she began to give thanks to God and to speak of him to all who were waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. Okay, uh, my name is Ben Ho, uh, and I'm the senior pastor of this church. It's great to see everyone here. Well, to see your eyes anyway. It's a bit sad that we've got masks again, uh, but we do live in, um, yeah, a bit of a dangerous time at the moment. So uh, let's just keep safe uh, during these holidays, and hopefully things will, will tide over. Uh, welcome to church today. Uh, it's kind of uh, strange being together uh, on a Saturday morning. It feels so much like a Sunday morning. It's crazy. Uh, but we do have another service tomorrow. So if you haven't yet signed up, uh, please do join us for church again tomorrow. Um, tomorrow's a special church in, in a sense. Uh, I, I mean, I guess every week's a special church. But tomorrow we'll be having our ministry trainee, Darius Tung, preaching to us uh, from God's Word, following on our Luke sermon series. Uh, it'll be his uh, final sermon with us uh, before him and, and Janice head back to Singapore in a few weeks' time. So uh, please do come along um, and sit under God's Word uh, first and foremost. But I guess secondarily to be able to see Darius uh, ministering to us I guess, kind of for the last time, um, at least uh, in the near future. Uh, but today we are having our Christmas service, and we will be, um, yeah, hearing a Christmas message. It's kind of a sermon light. Uh, usually we, uh, in SLE, our sermons tend to go for about 35, 40 minutes. But today will be a slightly shorter message. Um, we'll be here all over again tomorrow anyway. Uh, and it'll be a chance for us to be able to uh, continue to celebrate together for the rest of the day. 
Uh, you heard the Bible reading read out to us before. You can keep that passage open. I'll be referring to it a little bit through the sermon. Uh, you'll also find the outline for the sermon inside the bulletin if you picked one up on the way in. If not, you can always download it from our church's website or WhatsApp group. Um, uh, I wanted to also say hello to the people who are downstairs watching in. Uh, there's an overflow room. And for those who are watching at home, Merry Christmas to you all. Uh, please join me now as I pray, uh, as we sit under God's Word together on this Christmas Day. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we give you great thanks uh, for Christmas. Um, and even though it's um, yeah, become very different over the years, it's become more commercialized, or it's become uh, more of a holiday for family and fun and for barbecues, uh, we thank you that it is still ultimately um, a celebration that is grounded uh, in your son uh, and his birth, uh, the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we, we thank you that today we can come together as a church, uh, whether, for, uh, whether as believers who've been coming to church for many years, or whether it is um, for the first time um, just exploring. We thank you that this gives us an opportunity to hear from your word about the meaning and significance of the baby Jesus. So we pray, Father, as we come to know who he is, as we come to see how he fulfills the hopes uh, of Simeon and Anna in our story today, that we would see its relevance for us, and more than just relevance, but its pure joy and comfort that it brings us in this difficult world that we live in. Uh, this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, I think it's fair to say that in life, we're always waiting for something, right? There's always uh, something to wait for, isn't there? Uh, for me, I can't wait to get out of this. I've got another two more weeks in this cast, then I can downgrade to a shorter one, and then a few more weeks after that, hopefully, uh, I'll be well. We shall see. Uh, perhaps in the past week, uh, we've all been waiting for that package to arrive. Who's been waiting for a package to arrive? You internet shoppers? Yeah, I can see people nudging each other. You don't want to admit it because, you know, there's some kind of shame. Is there involved? There's nothing. There's no shame in that, right? Uh, I love online shopping. It's so safe. COVID-free, right, online. Uh, maybe you've been waiting, right? You see, you know, the, um, the dispatch notification from wherever, Amazon or something, and then you're tracking it, and you're seeing it's been dispatched to the Brisbane, um, you know, uh, dispo um, whatever, uh, center, dispatch center, and then uh, on board for delivery, right? That, that notification really gets your heart racing, doesn't it? You're waiting for that package to arrive. I see quite a few kids here today. Maybe you're waiting for Christmas Day because you've been uh, eyeballing those presents at the bottom of the tree and you've been waiting to open them. Is that right? Any kids here? Any adults here been waiting to open their presents? Yes? All right. Uh, only one child. Well, what are the rest of the parents doing? All right. Where are the presents? Anyway, you've been waiting for this day, right? You wake up early and you want to open your presents. Um, others of us, you know, are waiting to travel, aren't we? Uh, Faith uh, and, uh, and I and the kids were meant to head down to Sydney tomorrow afternoon uh, for our break and for Faith to see her family, we, whom we haven't been able to see for about a year now. Uh, but we've had to cancel the trip because things are a bit too unsafe. Uh, and yeah, it's, it's, it's been really sad, waiting for that day to come and then not being able to, to travel. And I think that echoes what many of you might be feeling at this time. Maybe some of you a year, two years, perhaps longer. You've been waiting for the international borders to open, waiting to be able to go home or to have your family come to be able to see each other again. Others of us are waiting, isn't it? Maybe for depression to lift. Maybe we're waiting for, for the medication to work so that we can recover from the illnesses that we are suffering with. Some of us are waiting for relationships to mend, waiting for someone who's really hurt us to apologize to us and, and reconcile with us. We're waiting for so many things. There's so much waiting and longing and yearning in life, isn't there? 
Now, many of us who wait also then know the, the great joy and relief of getting what you wait for. Maybe it is that you managed to get that package delivered before Christmas Day arrived. Maybe it's that joy of opening the present and seeing that it's not a new pair of socks, but a PlayStation 5, right? Maybe you managed to get your results from a test and it came back negative for, for cancer. Maybe it is that, you know, in the last month, uh, you waited for your exam results or a major exam that you thought you might have failed. That relief to know that you passed. You probably got a seven, actually. You know one of those people, they cry at the end of the exam, they think they're going to fail, and then they get a seven. You hate those kind of people, don't you? Yes, you know, there's all kinds of things that we wait for that we get, and there's real relief and joy. There is a real sense of satisfaction. But isn't it true in life that no matter how much we get what we wait for, there is always never a full sense of fulfillment? There is always something more to wait for. There is always another assignment or another exam to do and wait for results. There is always another medical test to go for and to wait for. There is always another relationship that we want. There is always something else in life that we feel that we need for that full satisfaction and fulfillment. And we're waiting and we're waiting. We're always satisfied with some stuff, but we're never really fulfilled. Now, in our passage today, two people, they've been waiting a long time, their whole life. And not just their whole lifetime, they've been waiting for many lifetimes, from the lifetimes of the people past, for something to come that will bring about a complete fulfillment, a fulfillment that's beyond just a package or, or a medical result or a test or a job or a relationship, but a fulfillment that is bigger and broader than that. And they were waiting for something that was long promised before that has finally come in the coming of the baby, Jesus. Now, they, they came to see and hold on to and, and find fulfillment through this baby, and that promise is held out to us today. Uh, Jesus' coming uh, holds out to us a promise of a greater fulfillment of the waitings that we are longing for. Now, many of us here are believers, and we put our trust in Jesus. And maybe today is the day we need that full assurance, a reminder again of the fulfillment, the salvation that we can find, that, that comfort, that, that peace that we can find in Jesus. Maybe today we need that message today. But for others of us, maybe you didn't come here uh, with, uh, waiting for Jesus your whole life. You may be just here because your friend invited you. There's nothing else to do. Nothing else is open. Indrapilly is shut. All the shops are shut. Everything is shut. So I might as well enjoy the air conditioning at SLE Church, along with my friend who's been pestering me for weeks and months to come. Maybe you haven't been waiting for Jesus, but I hope that today you might find that He is someone that you are actually waiting for, even though you haven't really been waiting for Him. You've been waiting for someone to make sense of life and to give you comfort and, and peace and purpose. Today, I hope that you'll see that Jesus is the one who brings you that. Now, into our story then. In our story, we meet two people. The first one is Simeon. Right? He is a righteous and he's a devout man of God. And he's a man who's from Jerusalem. Uh, hopefully you know Jerusalem is the capital city of Israel. Right? It's an important city, an important country that we're going to look at today in this passage. We get the sense that Simeon is an old guy. He seems to be waiting uh, on the cusp of death, so to speak, waiting for God to give him something that, that God promises. Uh, actually, Simeon has received a promise directly from the Holy Spirit of God that he would receive something that he's been waiting for for his whole life, something that will create a huge change in his circumstances, but not just his, but for the nation of Israel. He'd been waiting with a great expectancy because of the Holy Spirit's promise, and here we find him waiting and receiving. We also meet in the story another person, a woman called Anna, and she's utterly devoted to God, and she's definitely old. 
We are told that she had been widowed for seven years, right, after she'd been married. Back in those days, they got married around 13, 14, 15. So at the age of about 20, 21, her husband passed away, and now she's 84. And we're told that from the time that she's been widowed, she's been going to the temple to worship every day, waiting, praying, and longing for God to give her something that she's longing for. Uh, she's a prophetess, right, a vessel of God's revelation to the people. And she's someone who has devoted her whole life to God and to worship and to waiting. And so we have here Simon and Anna, who are two very godly people who are waiting and longing for God to bring about a desperately needed change to their lives and to their nation, and as we shall see, to the world. You see, as Jews, because they're from Jerusalem, they're Jewish people, uh, we, we kind of know about their history, don't we? Not just in the last few hundred years, but for the last few millennia, they've, they've always been under some kind of great political oppression and persecution. They're a small nation, but they seem to be on the news all the time, aren't they? They seem to always be caught up in the warmongering and the, the politics of great empires that have come and gone. From way back, you know, 1,000 plus BC, through the Egyptians, and then the Assyrians, and then the Babylonians, and then the Persians, the Midians, the Greeks. And in this time, in the time of this writing, in the time of the Romans, they, they were always facing threat from someone or something. They were always suffering in some way under people who wield the power to rule in cruel ways, to, to feed their own greed, all right, to basically uh, live under the way the world's powers uh, works. But you see, the Jewish people were just always caught up in this kind of mess. They were, they were actually a special people that had been chosen by God, special to God in their history. But yet we find out through the historical accounts of the Old Testament that they were a spiritually sick people. You read the story of Israel as God's chosen people. It was just a short, long, sordid tale uh, of them being rebellious against God over and over again, stubbornly rebellious, faithless in their godliness and their uh, disobedience to God. Right? Even though they were special people to God, they were rebellious and unfaithful and sinful and disobedient. And so Simeon and Anna, they live in a world where they were always experiencing the effects of sin the effects of death. Experience both personally, they were, they were part of this group, they, they were, might have been righteous, but they felt the impact of sin in their own lives and in the lives of the people around them. They felt the impact of sin in the society, in the oppression of the government around them, in the world. Uh, you know, whether it's in homes or workplaces, in society, in the church even, or in the temple for their time, in governments across nations and empires, there was always some experience of sin and brokenness. They live in a world of sin and death, sadness and misery, full of tears and frustration, so much pain and disappointment everywhere. It was their world, and it is our world, isn't it? All these adjectives, all these descriptions is, is the same explanation, the same world that we currently live in. And so, Simon and Anna, they waited, and they longed for God to do something. As we read through the passage, we hear the something that they were waiting for is this, right? So um, for Simeon, he was waiting. It's coming up. Hello. Is the PowerPoint working? Yeah. All right. So for Simeon, he was waiting for the consolation of Israel, right? And for Anna, as you read at the end of the passage, he was waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. Now, I think these two phrases, they kind of mean the same thing in the passage, right? I'll explain them both. Consolation is the word for comfort. 
Uh, redemption is the word for, for restoring something, buying something back, restoring it to the way it's supposed to be. And it's centered around Jerusalem, which is the capital city of Israel, which is the nation. So what is this consolation or comfort of Israel? What is this redemption of Jerusalem? And, and what's it got to do with us? Right? We are not Jewish people. We don't come from Jerusalem or for Israel. Why should this matter to us? Now, to answer this, we need to go back a few hundred years uh, in Israel's history. And we see that God chose one nation out of all of the nations of the world to show how things in this world could be different. Right? The world was already a mess right, as a result of the fall, that generation after generation of humanity, no matter where you go in the world, you see the impact of sin and death everywhere. But God chose this one nation, Israel, small nation, out of all the world to show that things could be different. Now, it's very important to see that Israel was no, nothing special. They, they, were, they were filled with the same kind of people that fills the world, right? The same sinful, rebellious people who had turned away from their creator, who refused to submit to their true king, uh, the one who made this world. God chose them not because they were special, but precisely because they were not special, right? That they were like everyone else. And he would use this nation to show the whole world how God would solve the problem of human sin, our greatest, deepest problem. Now, through Israel... Uh, th sorry, though Israel was God's people, he had chosen them, rescued them out of Egypt, out of slavery, to make him his own people. Not long after that, if you were to read towards the end of the book of Judges into the book of Samuel, Israel called out to God and said, give us a king like all the other nations. Even though it was God who was their true king, had chosen them, the people of Israel said, God, we want kings just like all the other nations, Right? Though the evidence was clear that every other nation was ruled by kings that could never solve their biggest problems, even though God is the one who has shown that he would be the one who would save and rescue them, Israel insisted on a human king, and God allowed it. So, in the book of Samuel, we'll see that Saul was the king that Israel chose. And Saul's kingship merely demonstrated the pitfalls of having a flawed human king ruling over a flawed human nation to be just like every other flawed human nation in the world. What do you get? You get flaws. You get problems. You get no solution. But God does something different, right? Uh, he decides, he shows them that the human way, the human initiative, the human power, the human rule, the human anything wasn't going to solve anything. So God brought in a new man to the throne, his own king, David. Now, God makes this promise to show us how different this king would be. 2 Samuel 7 is a promise from God to David. When your time comes and you rest with your father, I will raise up your offspring after you who will come from your own body and I will establish his kingdom. He is the one who will build a house for my name and I will establish the throne of his kingdom permanently. And this is the key here. I will become his father and he will become my son. You see, with this promise, God changed the nature of kingship in Israel forever. Right? No longer would there be an ordinary human king uh, or, or, and kingship, you know, a succession of a flawed, sinful, mortal father passing it down to a flawed, sinful, mortal son, and the cycle will keep going. He changed that. It will be different. Because now God's own son would be the king. Right? God's own son would be the king. And salvation would come through this 
king who was God's son. Now, if you were to read your Old Testament, the Old Testament speaks over and over of this king, right, as the Messiah, right, the, the anointed one, the Christ, who would become the saviour. He would be the one who would fix the problem of sin, right? He, he, Israel would be saved from her enemies of the nations around them, uh, from all of that things that, that, that helped them captive, whether political or spiritual. They would find salvation and redemption through this Christ, the great prophet Isaiah prophesied this, speaking on God's behalf, right? Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry to her that her warfare is ended, that her iniquity is pardoned, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for her sins. You hear that, right? The promise of comfort, comfort of salvation. A, 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 um, a salvation not only from the warfare, from a military, political perspective, but also a redemption from the iniquity, from the sin, from the spiritual problem of the heart. And the Lord will repay double for her sins. Not double judgment, but double grace. Comfort. Comfort, says your Lord. Now, he will pour on a double, an overabundant amount of grace right, to give the comfort uh, a release from all that troubled the people of Israel. This was the consolation and the redemption that is grounded in Israel that Simeon and Anna had longed for and waited for. But this salvation was always meant to be for the entire world. Right? It's meant to be for the entire world. Remember, Israel was chosen as one nation out of the world to be a demonstration for the whole world for how God would solve the human problem of sin. And so as we come back to the story, as Simeon held the baby Jesus in his arms, he knew that this was God's Christ, and this is what he said, right? Have a look at Luke chapter 2, verse 29, your Bibles. Uh, see what Simeon says. Seeing Jesus, he says this, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, that you've prepared in the presence of all peoples a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. Right? A light of salvation for uh, the Gentiles and for your people Israel. Now, I'm sure every one of us have experienced walking through customs at the international airport. It's a long time ago now since we've done that, I think, for many of us. But many of you should have their memories of walking into customs at the part where you've got to show your passport. And always there is two lanes, isn't there? There's two lanes. One says... Australian citizens and residents, and then there is other, right? Foreigner, everybody else, okay? And that's the way everyone, every country is like that, right? In customs, you've got your, your citizens, right? Your, your residents, and you've got everybody else, right? The foreigners, the, the, the other. And it's basically what this word says, that the word Gentile simply means non-Jew, all right? So for, if, you were, if Israel had a customs uh, port, like, you know, a place where you have to enter, You'll either be a Jew or you'll be a Gentile, an other, a foreigner. And so it is that when Simeon looks at the baby Jesus, right, the Christ of Israel, the consolation of Israel, the redemption of Jerusalem, what this child really is, is a light of salvation for the Jew and for the Gentile, which means it is for all people. Now you may have Growing up thinking that Christmas is a Christian celebration. It is not. 
It is not a Christian celebration. It is not a Jewish celebration either. It is an everybody celebration. It's an everybody celebration. The, the Christ came for all people. It's not just something for Christians to celebrate, or for Jews, but for all people, because it's the hope for all mankind. Now, as Simeon and Anna held baby Jesus in their arms, they knew that their wait was as good as over. It's kind of strange, isn't it? You carry a baby in your arms. Uh, you don't really think that the hope of humanity is right there in your arms, uh, no matter what people sing. Is it uh, Michael Jackson? Madonna, someone sings that children are our future and our world, but it's this particular child. Because Simon and Anna knew that this wasn't just any ordinary baby, this was the Christ of God. The baby's potential would definitely be fulfilled. <clears throat> now, this would be a, a, a many-hour sermon if I were to explain and expand on how the Christ, how Jesus came to fulfill all the promises of the Christ. Uh, and in fact, I think it, it would be helpful if you were to read on from, from this passage through the rest of Luke's gospel, into Luke's sequel, which is the book of Acts, so that's Luke's part two, to see how the life and the death and the resurrection and then his ascension where he sends the spirit down to the world, how that fulfills all the promises of God in the Old Testament for him being the Christ and the Savior. We will be able to see as we read through the New Testament how Jesus deals with sin and sin's deadly destruction, how he defeats sin once and for all and brings about salvation, comfort, hope, joy, and peace. Now, I want to, I want to do a very quick survey just because I don't want to leave it to you just to read it. I want to give you a, a snapshot right, of how Jesus brought comfort uh, when he lived. He really demonstrated that powerfully that he had the power to give people salvation and the comfort that Simon and Anna longed for. As he went around, he healed, didn't he? So many miracles of healing to show the reversal of the brokenness of the world in our bodies. Right? He calmed the storm, that deadly storm that would drown fishermen all the time. The, the, the picture of chaos in this world. Jesus calms that. Jesus went around right, with great compassion. He drew near to people who were sick, who were lost, who were outcasts. He touched people who were untouchables. He really poured out love right, to, to bring comfort to people who were, who were sick in the heart right, and who were, who were spiritually under oppression. Jesus freed them. He went around and he washed his disciples' feet and he served as a servant. Jesus brought the comfort of teaching people divine truths right, and, 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 and knowledge about the kingdom of God. He, he overturned the devil's lies that has been propagated through the world as to what life is about and what's to be lived for. Jesus taught about what it means to live for God, what it means to live under the King, what it means to live with purpose. There is a great comfort in knowing truth and understanding and meaning. But all of this in his life was just a foretaste of what he would achieve in, in defeating sin once and for all in his death, isn't it? Because on the cross, he really did defeat death. On the cross, we see humanity's sin on full display. God allows sinful humanity to give full vent to our sin, that we would kill the Son of God on a cross. But on the cross, we also see God's solution in full display. God allows His Son to take on the full vent of His judgment and His anger against sin. And by rising from the grave, Jesus conquers death, never to die again. Sin has been defeated 
the powerful demonstration of that as he rose from the grave. And so what we see as we read on in Luke and Acts and the rest of the New Testament that Jesus' entire life and death and resurrection is his complete work of systematically and totally dealing with the problem of sin and the deadly effects of sin in our lives and in our world. You see, when Simeon and Anna held that baby, hope was fulfilled. Their wait was truly over. Now, I think many of us know this, and many of us here are believers. But I wonder whether where you go right now looking for salvation and for comfort and for redemption. Because life is hard now, isn't it? Where are you looking right now in your day-to-day life for salvation and comfort and redemption? What are you looking for and waiting for each day that will give you peace, that will bring you protection, that will give you purpose? You see, in this passage and in the gospel, we see that our hope isn't in a what, but our hope can only be found in a who. It can't be found in a change of circumstance. You know, maybe we we better educated and then we get a better job and life would be better. We will save our life from its meaninglessness if we just get that better mark and that change of job. Or maybe it is that we, we think that our, our, we will be saved if we can find that relationship that we've been longing for, a, a husband or wife or, or having a child. Or maybe we think that we'll be saved from all of our troubles if we, we just have that medicine work for us, if we can overcome this cancer or this mental health problem or this relationship breakdown for it to be restored. Or maybe we're putting our hopes in, in politics or in some kind of reform all right, that will, will make society just a better place so that we can live and we can bring up our families in. You see, at the moment, we feel like, don't we, that we need a lot of saving. Things are pretty bad. Things are pretty down. I wonder where in our day-to-day experience do we go looking for salvation and for comfort and for restoration? Because the only place that, can, that it can ultimately be found is in His Son, in Jesus, in the Christ. Where are we looking for for our salvation and hope? You see, Christ has come. Our hope is over. As believers, we know this in our heads, right? But I wonder whether in our hearts on a day-to-day level we experience this. I was speaking to someone after the first service and, and he broke down, right? He knew that life was hard and he knew that he, he wasn't sure if he was drawing on Christ to give him the hope and comfort that he needs. Now, there is no promise, Right, that all of our troubles will be solved right now because we're believers. But there is the promise that the ultimate peace, that deep peace that can never be taken away from us, knowing that we are right with God, knowing that the protection that we have in Jesus is ours to enjoy, even though we may not be protected from COVID or from cancer or from a career problem. We know that we have purpose as we live for the kingdom, even if life seems kind of messy and uncertain at the moment, there is an ultimate purpose that grounds us that we can live for. I hope that this Christmas, that we don't find ourselves looking for salvation and comfort somewhere else. And if we have been doing that, as we've been wrestling with the troubles of this life, I hope that you will find that peace and joy in Jesus again. Now, for some of us, though, we haven't been waiting Right? Jesus really isn't on our radar. We aren't yet believers. We, we haven't been like Simon and Anna, waiting and, and longing and hoping in Jesus. But, you know, if you're experiencing life like the rest of us, a life of brokenness, if perhaps each day you find yourself hoping for this world to just be a little bit less terrible than what it currently is, 
if you're longing for disasters and disease to, to somehow disappear, if you're wishing that people just wouldn't be so unkind and unloving and cruel to each other, if you're hoping and wishing for yourself to be a better version of who you are right now, if you've been having these hopings and these longings, can I suggest to you that they are found ultimately in Christ? Even though you may not be, have been waiting for Him, it is God's solution to your waiting. Jesus has been sent as a baby to live, to die, and to be raised again, to be your hope, to be your longing for it to be met in Him. This life offers many solutions and many aids, but God is the one that gives us what we most need. And I hope that this Christmas will be an opportunity for you to explore that and to discover that Jesus really is the one who brings you comfort and salvation. He's the one who will give you the peace and the protection and the purpose that you need. Now, it is a glorious truth to know that our wait is over. Right? We're not exactly like Simeon and Anna because Jesus has come. Right? Our wait is over. But at the same time, we know that in God's plan, His coming and His return, there is a pretty long span of time. We are waiting for His final coming uh, where He will make all things perfect and right. And that though we have every spiritual blessing in Christ now, we can enjoy that. We are also those who wait for Jesus' return, aren't we? So the question then is, how do we wait well? Right? As believers, uh, we know what we have in Jesus, the wait is over, but we know that we are waiting for His coming to restore all things in perfection. How do we wait well? Well, I think this story of Simeon and Anna helps us to see how to wait well, because they waited well, didn't they? Right? Simeon and Anna waited really well. They waited because they were devout, because they were devoted to God. They, they filled their minds, they filled their eyes, they filled their hearts on the promises of God. Right? They were people who, who, who weren't just sort of part-time Sunday Christians, were they? They were those who, who devoted themselves to pursuing God, pursuing God's righteousness, to being a vessel for God's revelation, uh, to be people who were worshippers, who, people who prayed and who longed. So the best way to, to, to wait well is to be a godly person, isn't it? To keep filling your eyes and your heart with the things of Christ. Now, when life is tough, it's so easy to look elsewhere, isn't it? To think that, you know, why would I open my Bible every day? It's just words on a page. Right? Why would I bother, you know, going to church every week? It seems so tedious. Why would I bother going to a fellowship group at the end of a long night, at the end of a long week? You know, there are so many things that kind of, they try to medicate us at the moment, isn't it? We'd rather just watch that extra episode of drama to do that extra bit of um, retail therapy, to go see our psychologist or therapist, to, to find comfort in some family or friend, or to, to maybe put our hopes into our work and our achievements. Now, I'm not saying those things are bad things to be involved in, but I wonder whether they, they overtake our godly desires, whether they, 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 they push out our God focus. The way to wait well is to do exactly what you're doing right now. On a Christmas morning, coming along to church, coming along tomorrow, coming along next week, reading your Bibles, praying, living for God. That is the way to wait well in this world. Keep on remembering what we have in Jesus. He truly is the fulfillment of our hope for comfort and for salvation. Let me pray for us that on this Christmas day, if we have heavy, burdened hearts and difficult lives, that we would find joy and peace. Let's pray. 
Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for giving us your son. We thank you that through the nation of Israel, this tiny nation that's insignificant and that is no different to every other person, to every other nations of the world at their time, that through them you showed us that you are going to do things differently, that you will send a Christ, a king, who will solve our biggest problem, our deepest problem of sin. We thank you that this, these promises that you piled on one on top of the other through the Old Testament, you fulfilled in the coming of Jesus as a baby, born as the Christ, born who will be our saviour, born to be the one that will bring us comfort and redemption. So please today help us, for those who do believe in Jesus, to really be secure in the peace and the protection and the purpose that Jesus gives us. Help us not to look for salvation elsewhere as we struggle through this life. For those here who are seeking after you and who are exploring Jesus, I pray that today you'll help them to see that all of the longings and hopings of this difficult and broken world, that they can be found, the comfort, the salvation can be found in Jesus. Please help us to know the joy of believing today. For this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.